Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cark McCross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Cark McCross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Cark McCross or CarkMcCrossCU.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, the Renault Selection used car event, is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon and a special Late Lunch on LMFM Radio because today, folks, for the next couple of hours, we're going to talk about the environment. I was at a debate this morning, the Great Debate semi-final. You know it'll be going out on LMFM Radio each Saturday for the next number of weeks. And, you know, today we were chatting about the environment and the motion before the uh, transition years today was Trump is right. There's no such thing as climate change. And it really sums up what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about climate change. We're going to talk about this world that we live in and the environment, the natural world and environment that really is under threat. Believe me, if you think it's fake news, it certainly isn't. And I want to introduce to you first on the show today a man that came up with this idea with ourselves and we said we'll do a special on this Bobby and he said no bother and he's been great to us and he's brought a lot of guests to us that you're going to hear from during the next couple of hours Bobby McCormick from Development Perspectives you're very welcome to the show Cheers Jerry delighted to be well, here Well we're here today we're, we're here we're ready to go this has been planning for, for, for a little while but Bobby I can't probably understate the trouble that this world is in Absolutely. Um, I Sadly, it's a case that we face so many challenges and the scale of the challenges, I think, is the really worrying part. Um, science has been telling us for a long time that the world has faced challenges, but I suppose we've maybe ignored it a little bit for too long. And, uh, and now it's really a case of, of now or never, I think. I've been reading articles on the run-up to this show, and I mentioned that debate topic today, you know, and one of the most powerful men in the world denies this. That's no help, is it? No, no, but it's sadly no surprise. I mean, Donald Trump, I suppose, since he's been in office, has had surrounded himself with lobbyists from the coal industry, from the oil industry, and I suppose they're protecting vested interests. And he's he's taken away a lot of the climate specialists, a lot of the scientists, a lot of the environmental, I suppose, academics that would have been part of his departments. He's rid them all from his, his units, if you like, which is really troubling because it's it's just such a... A dangerous thing to do, and and because he's such an influential, you know, person in such an influential position, um, I think the damage is going to be long term. But that being said, there's lots of good signs coming out of the United States as well. A lot of the governors, a lot of the states are taking the complete opposite perspective to Donald Trump, which which I'm delighted about, of course. Because when you talk about the states, I was just looking. Louisiana is one of the states on the front. Uh, what would you say? Uh, 
line of this fight because it's low-lying and already I was just reading that nearly every week the size of a football pitch has been lost to the rise in sea levels. Well, it's ironic though when you think of Trump. I mean, even in, in County Clare, some of his golf courses, he's put in for planning permission to raise the height of a lot of the defences. So he's conscious of the fact that flooding is, is imminent. And, and when you look at some of the states in the United States, you mentioned Louisiana, you know, we saw a couple of years ago some of the horrible flooding that happened. Um, and, and we've seen Florida, like, you know, really kind of significant sea level rises. That's, that's going to be very problematic, not just for the coastal areas, because inland waterways, of course, can increase in level as well. Uh, David Attenborough, uh, to the forefront of this as well, he's a great age now, but he has never let up in his campaigning for people to take notice of what is happening in this world. And just a quote from him, in recent days, he said, It may sound frightening, but the scientific evidence is that if we have not taken dramatic action within the next decade, we could face irreversible damage to the natural world and the collapse of our societies. Mm. I mean, it's it's already happening. It's not a case that like that's something looking into the future. Uh, the biodiversity loss all across the world has been immense over the last 15, 20 years and even beyond that. And as I say, the, the science isn't new, but we're just recognising it much more now. And, and David Attenborough, of course, is, is on the money, as often he is. Um, but he, again, is such an influential character because he's brought it into the mainstream of the BBC and even the BBC up till not too long ago were not necessarily giving it the the kind of coverage it deserved. You travel a lot. You're around this world. You go to lots of places. You see different communities, different countries on different continents, Bobby. Is it a fact that us, us, we might call ourselves the developed Western world and we're privileged to be able to do that, are in a way, even though we're seeing weather, climate changes and things happening, it's the poorer people in disadvantaged parts of the world that are paying the heaviest price? I think it is, um, but there's also another part to that story as well, which I might touch on if you will, Jerry. Yes. But like, the, certainly, like Vietnam last summer, I spent some time there, and the coastal area of Vietnam is obviously huge. It's such a long coastline, and and they're seeing firsthand like the damage in terms of not just flooding, not just kind of sea level rise, but even in terms of agriculture. A lot of the crops that they would have relied on for food security is now being challenged. A lot of the things that they would have taken for granted year in year out is being challenged. Even in the mountain areas, they're seeing a difference in the climate which can affect so many kind of aspects of life because if you're living on a day-to-day existence when things change you're much more vulnerable to that so whereas say for instance when we hit the great snow last year you know we saw what happened with bread I mean, it took only a short amount of time for us to face the consequences of a weather event, never mind a climate event. But the other side to that, which I just wanted to mention, was that I suppose I think that there's so many interested groups within Europe and within what was sometimes phrased as the developed world that it's a case that they don't want things to change. There are vested interests that are are keeping things the way they are. So as an example the aviation industry more generally doesn't want an aviation fuel tax and and of course in Europe there's far more fee- people flying than there is let's say across the continent of Africa so so i think that there's lots of of interested parties that are trying to kind of lobby and make sure things stay the same as well. Interesting you say that because uh, something really did catch my eye uh, on reading up ahead of this show that the emissions from aircraft are not included in 
the global emissions, you know, the emissions we talk about from cars and industry on the planet, mm. you know. Yeah, I mean, again, it reflects, I suppose, sometimes the power of certain areas of industry. And, and you look at like Airbus, Boeing, these are very influential. Look at what happened a couple of uh, weeks ago when there was that horrible crash, uh, the Ethiopian Airlines crash. And Donald Trump, within 24 hours, was singing the praises of Boeing as the share price was dropping. I mean, I don't think Donald comments on th- many things outside of business or migration mm. that quickly. Mm. And I think that that just reflects, I suppose, how centrally things like the aviation industry can get away with. Um, And as well as because, I suppose, governments have a handle on certain things. But when things are much bigger than a country, like the aviation industry, it involves companies that go way beyond the boundaries of one one country. Mm. And up until now, we've kind of tried to handle things at a global level within the UN. And that brings its own problems. So it's not that any country necessarily is to blame for these things, but we all need to play our part in changing it. And flying and aviation is something we're going to be talking about later on and how we can play a part in that as well. But that astounded me that those, and you look at the emissions in the sky, so they're incredible, the amount of fuel that an aircraft, one aircraft burns on a journey. Well, when you or I go to our our station, if you like to fill up our cars or whatever it is that we're, we're filling up and you know we pay part of that price in tax but aviation fuel isn't taxed and that's something that like again we need to really take seriously a very small percentage of the world's population ever get the chance to fly while the majority of the world's population end up paying the price Mm. um Another guy who's been quite active on this recently is a guy called George Monbiot. I, I don't know whether you're familiar with him, but he, he wrote a brilliant article in the Guardian newspaper and it really has shook people and, and woken people up because he's talking about what underpins, which you're getting at there with the aviation industry being one aspect of this. But he talks about this thing called perpetual growth, right? And I just want to read a, a few lines from what he says. Perpetual growth drives us towards a cataclysm on such a scale that most people have no means of imagining. The threatened collapse of our life support system is is bigger by far than war, famine, pestilence or economic crisis, though it is likely to incorporate all four. Societies can recover from these apocalyptic events, but not from the loss of soil, an abundant biosphere and a habitable climate. So what he's saying is this thing of, you know, gross domestic product, growth in an economy, all the time, up, 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 up. Is that underpinning all of this? Completely. Yeah, sadly. I mean, Oscar Wilde put it well when he said, we know the price of everything and the value of nothing. That, you know, like my background is within development studies and and outside of my involvement with development perspectives, I work in Dundalk IT. And I suppose I'd be well versed in, in the notion that economic growth has been oversold to us. Sadly, many politicians right across the political spectrum, come election time, which we're coming up to, will tell us that economic growth is really, I suppose, the answer to many of our problems. It is simply not the case. It is a story that has been peddled to us. And the power of any good story is not whether or not it's evidential, but whether or not it's believed. For too long in Ireland and in many other countries, we've believed that economic growth will tackle many of the social, political, environmental challenges. In fact, it's the other way around. Economic growth in the way that it's done, if you like, in this part of the world, is at the core of many of the problems that we're facing. And it needs to be tackled. Um, It needs to be kind of faced head on that that really is a fictional story. Development perspectives, uh, what you do and your mission, what is it and, and how does it tie in with what we're talking about today? 
Well, I suppose the the importance, I suppose, of looking at the environment is that it underpins humanity, if you like. And I, th- I think that that's really important. As so our mission is to tackle poverty, inequality and climate change. We can't do that without addressing environmental issues. It's very difficult to address poverty if the environment is failing. It's very difficult to address inequality if you haven't got food, if you haven't got water. Some of the basics that many communities don't have around the world. And again, climate change, well, you know, climate change and the environment almost go hand in hand. But environmental issues, I suppose, humans are not separate to environmental issues. Oftentimes that's the case that put forward by many. They say, oh, you know, the the environment is there for us to use. And I think that we need to challenge that mindset as well. It's valuable in and of itself as well for other species, not just humans. But of course, for humans too, we rely on the water, we rely on the food, we rely on the oxygen. I mean, most of the oxygen comes from the oceans, from the algae within the oceans. If that begins to kind of be damaged, there's no oxygen, hence no humans. So we either begin to take these things seriously or our future is in serious risk. There's a young girl from Galway, uh, I was listening to her earlier today, talking about algae or plankton or one of the microorganisms in the sea now feeding on tiny aspects of plastic that they're taking in and then they're being ingested by the fish and just sounds like a mess. It is a mess. I mean, the World Health Organization recognised that even when, like today, Today FM, one another radio station, are looking at like Dare to, to to Dance. It's that cancer kind of like fundraiser. And and all of the families listening in will know that cancer has affected so many people around the world. Plastic is carcinogenic and it's entered our food chain in a massive way. And the World Health Organization has recognised that that's a big, big problem. The microplastics that are in many of the things that I suppose are entering into the food chain is something that we'll only know the real detrimental effect in generations to come. But even at this stage, we know that it's very problematic. So even say, for instance, washing your fleece, like lots of microplastics get released through that and then get washed back into our seas and our rivers. And then that goes back into the food chain with our fish and so on and so forth. So so like we're doing things now that we may not know the damage that we're inflicting on the planet for generations to come while at least at this stage we know it's damaging so if we know it's damaging I think then we should have the wherewithal to begin to change it When you see the statistic uh, that the uh, in the last 20 out of the last 22 years uh, the temperatures have been rising all the way. The, the warmest years, you know what I mean, 20 out of the last 22, even though you might have ups and downs still the trend with the, the temperatures is in an upward direction. Yeah. And that's uh, undeniable. Well, absolutely. And and even for a while before that, the overall trend, as you exactly say, is what we should be looking at. We can always have different climate events. We can always have yeah. weather events that, if you like, are a little bit outside of the norm. But the overall trend all across the world is that the planet is warming and it's warming at a speed that's very worrying. And that's not good news for any part of the planet. Now, all we've been talking about probably has you saying, oh, my God, this is shocking. So they haven't had a positive word to say yet in there on late lunch. Well, we have. And you know something? It's the power of one, Bobby, isn't it? This is what we're going to focus on. We wanted to introduce the show today and then we're going to deal with uh, topics like uh, reusing, recycling, fast fashion. We'll be talking about transport and uh, travel, as we touched on a moment ago, water and marine ecology. We're going to have Father Sean McDonough, champion of the environment, with us today. Uh, Deirdre Gavin's coming in from the Conscious Cup campaign. You know about that already. And of course, our own Nikki Kyle, a real champion environmentalist and Green Gardener will be with us as well. So lots of different aspects to come. And Bobby, the message is 
we can make a difference. Each person listening today. Completely. And and I don't think that should be overstated. It's it's really within our, I suppose, our wherewithal to be able to change this. There's there's nothing kind of like too difficult in doing this. If if we make the choices that need to be made, then this can be reversed. It's all about the environment and protecting it. And Bobby said a while ago, you know, the use, it's not abusing it. It's using it. It's respecting it and living in harmony with it as well. And every other creature on this planet as well. Late lunch environment special coming up after the break. Claire Downey, executive with the Community Reuse Network. Bobby McCormick is staying with us right through the afternoon today. He's in studio here. And on the line now is Claire Downey. She's with the Community Reuse Network. Afternoon, Claire. Good afternoon. Thanks very much for having us on. Not at all. You're so welcome. And we're delighted you're joining us on this special day on Late Lunch, focusing on the environment. Can I ask you first about recycling? And for years, there has been a a strong campaign in Ireland. It's petered out a little bit now. But you remember, reduce, reuse, recycle. Have we got better, Claire? Yeah, that's right. There was a campaign, gosh, um, back in 2003, with the race against waste and all of that. Um, But we have gotten better, I think, um, in terms of our recycling levels. And they're now at around 42% of everything we throw away. So um, it's definitely an improvement, but we still have some way to go. And then in the area of reuse, which is also where a lot of our members work, we're a network that provides business support and advocacy for uh, mostly social enterprises in reuse and recycling. So on the reuse side, um, it's, yeah, it's improving slowly, but I think with some new policy and legislation coming through this year, we hope to see a lot more happening. And there's a lot of more awareness lately as well. Okay, and people, I know uh, from going to the local centre here in Drahad, if you go up at the weekend, certainly there's lots of people in there recycling an awful lot of stuff. And I I can see a big push towards that. But reuse is something that we should be considering more because we throw away society, haven't we become? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and what reuse does is it makes sure that your goods, your stuff, essentially any furniture and clothing and um, electronic uh, goods get a second life or have as long a life as possible um, through repair and maintenance and secondhand sales and all of that. So it's really important because um, the value of that is much higher than the value of recycling where you might lose um, some of the materials that go into making the stuff that we use every day. Bobby McCormick, are you a fast fashion follower? Well, I can tell you, Jerry, that I don't invest in fashion an awful lot. But but when I do, it's something I've become ever more aware of. Is that like the you know the throwaway culture around fashion? That an awful lot of people, I suppose, don't realise the impact of of buying new clothes on a regular basis that that can have an impact on, on so many different environmental resources that even you know, like I've been involved in this area for a long time but I'm only becoming really aware of how damaging fast fashion is and I, I know that Claire would know an, an awful lot more about that area than I would for sure OK so Bobby's not a fast fast fashion it's hard to say that ent- enthusiast Claire but look at what's the problem you buy clothes like I'll mention a brand pennies you know everyone loves pennies because it's cheap and cheerful and you can go down any week and fill your basket for a few euro or pre-marker than known elsewhere and then say we recycle the clothing then sure isn't that all right Claire? Oh, well as Bobby said it, the real trouble is that a huge amount goes into actually making our clothes and I was at an amazing conference last week with the Rediscovery Centre as part of Fashion Revolution Week and they said that we're making globally at the moment 100 billion garments per year which is just a mind-blowing figure so 
free, and that's doubled in the last 10 years. So we're just going through huge amounts of clothing. And um, while that creates a lot of waste, um, so here in Ireland, we're putting about 80,000 tonnes, which is two small landfills, into the bin every year. Um, it's actually more about the impact of making the clothes in the first place. So not to overwhelm you with statistics or anything, but the climate impact of those 100 billion garments a year is actually more than all of the aviation and shipping at carbon emissions combined. So it's 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 great unknown, I guess. It's It's a really really colossal figure and then water as well and chemical use um, that goes into growing the cotton or the, the, the textile itself and then dyeing it and producing clothes from it. So there's so the first concern about. Yeah, no, Claire, there's the first point to crystallise to listeners today. Listen to that. 100 billion garments for, I don't know how many people live on this planet, Bobby, how many people are in the world at the minute? Just over 7 billion. My God Almighty, 7 billion and 100 billion garments and more destruction. And we were talking about the aviation industry and the fuel, Claire. More destruction of that. So the power of one. Get away from buying and buying and consuming and using and casting aside. Buy for clothing that you can reuse and retain and wash and it comes out nice. You're better investing in something that lasts. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So it's about probably buying a bit less as well. As yes. You say. Do we really need all the different things? There's lots of ways of having a great wardrobe without having to own all the pieces so or without having to own lots of pieces. So you can have this capsule wardrobe idea where you've got a few pieces, but they all give you different outfits by mixing and matching. Or you can actually rent clothes now. There's quite a few. I know the Rent the Runway um, got a lot of press in the last week for having 150 new jobs in Galway but there's another really nice um, project that was started called New Wardrobe where people put up their own dresses and you can borrow um, via the online platform yes. someone else's clothes that's a nice way to have you Absolutely. Know, other things to wear Mm. Um, there's a very interesting Swedish company that's selling digital fashion. So for all of the bloggers and Twitter and Instagram users that don't want to buy clothes to take one selfie and get rid of the clothes after, they can actually pay for uh, uh, imaginary clothing now. <laughs> very interesting. I heard about the king with no clothes. That, that, that's really a, a step in, in, the, in the current era. The, the other thing to say is, if anyone wants to join in the conversation or comment or ask a question, don't forget our numbers. We'd love to hear from you today. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in or across our social media platforms as well. Come on to the uh, aspect of uh, single-use plastics, right? That was fast fashion. What are we talking about here? What do you mean by that, single-use plastics? Yeah, so it's anything that um, you use once, essentially, and then throw away. Um, What the European Commission has done is looked at the kinds of plastics that end up in the ocean. Um, and the worst offenders, and they've picked out 10 that tend to be found a lot on beaches and all of that kind of thing. And those single-use plastics are everything from the sticks that you use in cotton buds, which you'd use once and throw away, um, to maybe plastic bottles, cutlery, plastic cutlery that you have and, you know, with takeaway food yep. uh, and those kinds of things. And they're looking to ban those um, items and try and, I suppose, get them made from other materials and plastic, which just last forever in the ocean. 
Can I tell and people uh, they don't need to use cotton buds? Leave your ears alone. They're perfectly fine. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, they're also looking at getting plastics um, to be more recyclable so that there aren't so many combinations of different um, materials, but that more of the plastics put onto the market can be recycled. And between all of that, they reckon with their new policy, they'll save around 3.4 million tons of carbon, which is another one of those figures, and 6.5 billion to consumers. So there's a lot to be achieved even from from these new moves. Mm. Bobby, do you recycle? Come back to the recycling again. Are you good yourself at home? Do you do this? I think this is one of the areas, Jerry, that people shouldn't shy away from. There's always ways of getting better for all of us. I mean, none of us are pretending to be perfect. So it's not as if that I'm I'm trying to come in and say, I'm brilliant at all of Mm. this. Not at all. Like, uh, there's areas that I need to improve on in terms of recycling. But at least the effort is being made. So it goes beyond the conscious awareness awareness of it you need to put it into action and and that sometimes is the gap that's missing it's it's one thing understanding these things but what we need to do is to make them real by doing them mm. and and i suppose it's it's certainly a case in our home that i i wouldn't be the leader in the household in terms of recycling but but i have to make the effort and mm. and that's the responsible citizen part yeah and i have to say just on uh, from my point of view i i do champion this at home and i feel what would happen if i wasn't there but i separate out my glass my cans my paper, my plastics, I compost in my garden, most things that we use. And I do my best. I, I'm not 100%, but I try to do my best, Claire, that I can. But what would you say to people today who say, look, at we have young children, we're a busy family, we don't have the time. A few things, a few little pointers, Claire, just to make uh, recycling a little bit easier. Yeah, there was a great campaign last year um, that tried to simplify the message indeed around recycling. And the big message they really wanted to get across is clean, dry and loose. And actually, this morning I was just at a recycling centre, funnily enough, where they they take in your green bin stuff and try and separate it out. And you can really see that if more people put stuff in that was clean, dry and loose, as in you don't shove... Um, you know, your tins into a plastic bag, that everything is separate, then it would really help um, them to get a better quality that comes out of the recycling centres and gets sent off, you know, export yes. and reprocessing. Yeah, so that's a really big message. Okay, and that um, is important for the companies to process it in a yeah. more efficient and effective manner, yes. Yeah, there's also um, a lot of information on the mywaste.ie website about what you can and can't put into your bin, and if you can't put it in, where else it can go. So that's quite a good resource as well. Um, and they have all that um, information about your green bin, exactly what can go in, you know, by material. So it's really a yeah. search by material as well. So great. It is. And, and, and there is a huge change. And we have all these bins yeah. now. And it, 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 it just takes a little bit of effort. I know for people, they might look at it as a bit of a burden. But Claire, this is the message. And Bobby and I have been mentioning this. The power of one. We want to keep this team running through the show today. We can make a difference. And you are making a difference by doing the things you've just been talking about. Absolutely. You can see the direct effect of whatever people like put into their bin that comes into the recycling centers, you know, has a huge effect on what we can actually recycle with fast fashion. Actually, there's been enormous pressure because of the awareness around fast fashion on brands to improve themselves. Um, There's been more and more demand for secondhand clothes, and it looks like secondhand fashion will actually overtake new in the next 10 years. That's the forecast. You heard it here first (laughs) in terms of uh, trends. So that's all really positive. And that's all consumer influence. It has a... very effective. So absolutely encourage people to get out and push push for change, you know. 
Bobby, you and I are going to be trendsetters in the next couple of years <laughs> with all this gear that we keep using all the time. I'll, I'll leave that to you, Jerry. I think <laughs> on the fashion side of things. <laughs> Not a chance. But uh, Claire, is the message finally just before we have a moment before you go? Do you feel that people are awakening up to your area and what we've been talking about now? I said it again on on the old, the old campaign, reduce, reuse, recycle. But you know, today's generations, younger people coming out of school, people in their twenties, setting up home for the first time, ha- have they bought into this? I really do feel it's a change now, for sure. And with the awareness even around climate change, because that ties in, as we said, fast fashion with all of these things, people are so conscious of, of what's happening and how much we have to do. And I think, um, yeah, we're definitely seeing change. And the, the two events of Fashion Revolution Week, even last week, were sold out, both of them, um, which was incredible. So, um, yeah, I suppose it's, uh, it's, it's all, all to play for now. Okay, listen, uh, Claire, it's been lovely to talk to you today. Thank you for joining us on this special late lunch this afternoon about the environment. Thank you very much for having us. Take care of yourself. That's Claire Downey there uh, with the Community Reuse Network. And very important messages, Bobby, there in in that conversation. Yeah, completely. I mean, just going back to the fast fashion, Jerry, like the the supply chain of fashion as well is something to, to keep into account because we're importing an awful lot of this fast fashion if economically we did things a bit differently, there would possibly be more economic opportunities in Ireland if we decided to change some of our habits. So it's a win-win, mm. an environmental benefit and then an economic one as well. So these aren't things that need to be looked at negatively as in these changes are going to cost us something. Yeah, absolutely. We're on the environment issue this afternoon on Late Lunch. We'd love you to join us, and you are. We're getting your comments. I will read them, I promise you. If you have something to say on this, we love to hear from you every single afternoon. 086-1800-658 is the number you need. WhatsApp or text us your messages, or 1850-715-958 if you want to call in, or across social media, you can comment to us today. After news and weather at 2, we'll be turning to transport, and after that, the water issue. Yes, it's an environment special on late lunch this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Bobby McCormick from Development Perspectives is with us. And I have another very interesting guest to introduce you to in a moment. Some of your comments uh, to us. Hi, Jerry. More people means more clothes. Reduce the world's population and uh, give the morning after pill to everyone in the world, says Eric. What do you say to that, uh, Bobby? Is there any merit in, in, in that comment, the world's population and... Yeah, controlling I mean, it. Yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting point. Uh, for many years, there was lots of academics that studied that in terms of population growth, and there's not an awful lot of evidence to back it up, sadly. But it's something that's said a lot. What we need to do, though, is certainly look at the way in which the population of the planet lives, and there's huge variance from one part of the planet to the other. If we all lived like we do in Ireland, we'd need three to four planets. That's not sustainable. What we need to do is to make sure that the planet itself, it, it, I suppose behaves in a way that can sustain the population and we can do that with its current population and with expected population rises but we can't do it with the behaviour that we have in Ireland. Susan says oh Jerry, come on stop buying loads of clothes or renting out clothes I love my fashion and nothing's going to stop me buying clothes I work hard to put clothes on my back I do recycle them people say you only live once you die once and I live every day says Susan thank you for that comment and uh, Bobby is from uh, the town of Drogheda how about getting our plan 
plastic recycling bins back beside the bottle banks. Uh, get the council back on board and uh, buying into the recycling. Bobby, I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, don't disagree with that point, Jerry. I mean, at the time, it was a strange decision, so, yeah. There they go. Keep the comments coming. 086-1800-658. Stephen McDonald joins us from Timesworth. He's been a guest on Light Lunch before, and we're in for a treat now for the next while because he's going to talk about shared mobility, our cars, transport, etc. Stephen, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks a million, Jerry. Thank Appreciate you for it. joining me again. Look, we, we have our motoring segment of this show. I've talked to you in the past, and you see the push in the world today to get away from diesel, although you'll hear diesel is not dead, nor never will be, from petrol to hybrids to full electric. Is it? Is the move happening? Is it happening in this country? Uh, well, I think the, the move uh, towards electric is definitely happening. Like The, the latest sales figure so far is 1,345 electric cars sold this year so far, compared to 1,233 last year. So that's two. That's just nearly 2.5% of all the cars sold are electric. So there is a big shift, huge shift. So that is happening, and that has to be good news for the environment, yes? Absolutely, and there, as well as electric, you have other fuels in there as well. So it's not just a one-trick pony. In there you have gas, compressed natural gas for the heavy goods vehicles. You have hydrogen coming down the road which in turn will be a fuel of the future as well so and we have people shifting from petrol to diesel or sorry from diesel to petrol and again that has an impact on the emissions particularly in town areas as well so that is happening and will have a desired effect ultimately do you see a day when the petrol and diesel engine becomes a thing of the past entirely that's a great question um i do in certain areas so parts of the world, and again, looking at this globally and locally, you have megacities, cities, urban areas, and rural. So in your megacities and cities, yeah, that is that is potentially in the future. In Ireland, in our cities, our urban areas, and our rural areas, there will be reduced levels of transport in urban areas, but because Ireland is such a, such a wide, diverse area, rurally particularly, you will still need a certain amount of uh, combustion type, but the fuel will be different. And emissions do harm. That's oh, yeah. that goes without saying. Yeah. It is a big cause of, of and that's the reason why it has the name emissions. Yes, of course, mm. of course. Um what do you get when people you know don't pay much attention to this and people uh, in positions of influence and government in wealthy countries of the world? Does that get to you? Do you do you, do you feel they have a vested interest or they'll be are they there because of a vested interest? Uh, well it's the Emissions are there because of business. Business is there because of vested interest. It's kind of it's, it's self surviving. Yeah. It is which which comes first. Yes, um, it, it can be frustrating. Mm. Um, absolutely, and that's where a lot of the conversation where we can start to work on. And again, listen to what Bob, Bob was saying earlier on is looking at what we can do mm. on a one by one basis and looking at instead of what we want to stop, what are we going to start? I remember one of the uh, the campaigns a couple of years ago about just switching off the light switch. Yes, and uh, the think, difference that makes. Yeah, and one of the companies at the moment is talking about every every kettle you boil, mm. and a simple little thing. And they're simple things as well. You've come into the car park here, take it parked your own car. What are yeah. you driving? Are you I'm th- driving a petrol Golf. Okay, yeah. and you look at the car park here, Bobby. You look around you. You you come here today, and all those cars sit out there for the majority of the day, from somebody arrives here at whatever time in the morning till you know late at night. Is that not a total waste? It is. Like most cars are used for about an hour a day. And the advantage, the one great thing you have in Ireland that's quite unknown is there's a company who will help you get your car used more. There's a company in Wicklow called Join the Fleet where you can register your car and when you're not using your car, it can be rented out and you get money for that. 
Now people are sitting up and listening. You have a resource sitting in your driveway or at your workplace that can make you money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, cut down on, you know, everybody has to, Bobby, just come in there. Everybody has to have one of everything. Isn't, isn't that a bit of a problem, you know, that we have to have our own? Yeah, completely. I mean, and, and culturally, it wasn't the case not that long ago in Ireland. I mean, there was the old idea of metals, whether it was that cooperative idea that was far more of the fabric of this part of the world. And, and as generations have got on culturally, that's been diminished. But that's driven by, if you like, the advertising incentives, the business incentives, that idea of that mantra you spoke about earlier on, Jerry, economic growth, more, 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 more. And that's been, I suppose, problematic you know, since the Second World War. So so I think changing, if you like, the incentives, which I, I think Stephen was talking about, about, you know, really trying to do what's positive. What, How can we use what we have, the platforms, the technology, the resources that we have differently to do less damage? That's really important. What about public transport and what's available as well? Is it good enough? Does it serve, you know, what people need to say, I can do without a car? Uh, well, that is quite interesting. The ITF, uh, the International Transport Forum, they did a survey or an analysis on Dublin in 2018 on shared mobility in Dublin. And public transport actually fell to the lowest level in relation to satisfaction, but it had the lowest cost. But beyond public transport, you have shared mobility options. So you have opportunities to share cars. Yes. The opportunity to share bikes. So you have the Dublin Bike Scheme. Mm. You have GoCar. They're based all around the, the Yes, the there, I well. see them, yeah. Uh, you also have in Dublin, you have... Uh, Yuko, who's the Toyota-based company, and Green Mobility are coming in as well. There's two new shared bike schemes coming in place in Dublin as well. So where there is a mass of people, there are shared options. Um, what Bobby said earlier on there as well regarding the platform, the communication systems and the connecti- connect- connectivity is there now to allow that to happen. So you have immediate on-your-phone information about where products are, and you can unlock them straight away. You can join up straight away. You're paying through your credit cards, electronic money. So all these, all these functionalities are enablers to allow us to have a more enabled and more connected shared opportunity. Mm. I think one of the challenges we've had in Ireland particularly is legislation. The legislation moves much, much slower than the the technology and the needs do and that's been seen over the last couple of weeks with electric scooters in Dublin. Massively advantaged resource in relation to reducing transport because they're using electricity at charge at night which is primarily green electricity off wind. But there's a major political bias against it and you kind of go which, which, which are we going for here guys are we going for environmental are we going for my nimbyism mm. and, and that's a bit of a challenge yes it is and it's up to politicians to lead on this and, and not be you know what I mean uh, just looking at their own particular agenda or, or you know their background in life or whatever the bike, we mustn't forget the bike and the incentive with the bicycle as well it's huge, a thousand, it? thousand euros uh, bike to work scheme uh, you you can buy any cost of bike, and if you go to the likes of electric bikes, the electric bike will allow you to travel at twenty five kilometres an hour, long distance. So your your ability to actually use your bike as a commuting product without getting to work sweaty is there. Mm. It's fantastic. You don't have to pedal up hills. If you like that one, Bobby, would that would that appeal to you? Well, I'm, my former days in Drogheda Wheelers, Jerry, I tell you, the legs have gone. <laughs> so electric bike all the way, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> but the, these are all fantastic options that are actually there at the moment. And I suppose in urban areas like our big towns, the Dock, Drogheda, Kells, Navin, Trim, into the city where people go as well, these options, public transport, bicycle use, the incentive for bicycles are there. And, and we can make a difference a big difference by opting absolutely and even at a rural level 
within Mead and within the region we have local local link yes. which is a rural door to door bus service yes. which a lot of people forget about mm. and with the old day of designated driver yes it's shared transports that we don't actually recognize yeah that is there and has been there for quite some time. What can people do practically today, uh, Stephen? Uh, people listening today, we're trying to give them pointers of things that they can make the change and make the difference. Yeah, pr- practically today is think about everything. So as I said earlier on before we came on, don't walk around life in a trance. So I'll give you an perfect example of going from Drada to Dublin. Using a normal car, that's going to cost you around about €14 Euros for the car to travel that distance because you have your fuel but also a lot of people forget about the cost of ownership of the car Yeah, you add into that your parking about 20 euro that's a 34 euro trip the bus will cost you 14 hmm. so when you put money in people's pockets and start to think actually every time I travel in this car it's going to cost me 70 cents per kilometre Yes. now you start to make different decisions mm. so instead of walking to the, uh, driving to the shop walk to the shop Yeah. use the bike share more often Go use public transport more often. Like in, in fairness, from where I'm in Avon, uh, the NX service to Dublin is excellent. It has really improved and, and made things available. So if I'm doing meetings in Dublin City or conferences in Dublin City, I, I will go in by bus because it's just so much easier. You've made the change. I, I made the change depending on where I am. If it suits me, I will travel by bus. Absolutely. Like Dublin and to Wilton Terrace, and yeah. Avon to Wilton Terrace in an hour for 15 euro. <laughs> and it's a double whammy, Bobby, isn't it? Because you're saving. Big savings, Stephen. If you worked that out over the year, yep. you're in and out quite a bit. And look at the difference it's making. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not just environmentally, because then you're reaching on all sorts of health benefits to be derived from travelling in that manner as well. So like even, you know, at the moment, there's an awful lot of a focus on mental health and well-being. So like, you know, time on a bus or a train, you know, you can be reading, you can be doing other things as well. Whereas sometimes you can be stuck in traffic and you can be stressed out. So it's not just, although important as we focus on the environment, it's a win-win, I think, if we transition over to the likes of bikes, trains, buses or indeed shared mobility yes. schemes. OK. Uh, lots of comment coming to us and we are going to read them. Stephen, will you stay with us? Absolutely, I know we have yeah. another contributor, but I'd like you to stay here because we, we'll touch on a little more with you. Keep those comments coming to us. We can all make a difference. We can work towards a better future for us and our children and our children's children. If we don't, disaster is imminent. Late lunch, environment special this Tuesday afternoon. Some of your messages on this environment special this afternoon. NASA was on to say shops and manufacturers need to take responsibility too, Jerry. Yes, indeed, I agree with you. I shop in Tesco and use the scanner. I then remove as much plastic as possible and leave it at the cash desk. I'd love to think that they recycle it. Super Value have recyclable bags for vegetables too. Would you think they recycle, Bobby? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Um, I'd have to look into it a little bit more. Stephen? Uh, I know there is a company up in Dundalk who does recycling of plastics and farm plastics as well. They were involved in okay. uh, one of the conferences. I wonder, year. do they go to our Tesco involved in that scheme? Interesting. We, we'll try and find that out on that one for you, listener. Uh, you mentioned the market at Bolton Street in Drogheda yesterday, Jerry. I did indeed, and it's almost dead at the moment. Why not set up a market for local produce, but also where you can swap items or barter? I like that one as well. Now we're thinking. Now we're starting to think and prompt thought about that. I love it. What about the go car? Is it used much, a listener wants? to know. Uh, yeah, Go-Kart are actually getting great, quite successful. They've extend, expanded its fleet uh, a lot over the last uh, year. So we have, it was primarily Dublin, now you have Go-Kart services across the, the Loudmead area. One in Drada, one in Navan, one in Malbriggan, there's four in Dundalk, one in Ratcoon, one in Ashburn. Okay. And you also have them, primarily it's the Pale, 
land area. Yes. Wexford, Waterford, Cork, Clarny, Limerick and Galway. So they are quite extensive. Mm-hmm. You wanted to mention commercials. This is something you just want to draw our attention to. What's happening there? Yeah, I think commercials is, is a huge opportunity because you have to move goods. And, and moving goods requires a physical item, and that's going to be a, a, a truck or a van. Um, one of the things that a lot of people aren't aware of is the incentives around electric vehicles for commercial vehicles. So if you're putting on a commercial vehicle as a company car, you can write down the full capital allowance of that in year one, and the use of that car doesn't have to be benefit in kind. Okay. So, and money in the pocket, that's a huge part. And then for heavy goods vehicles, you have compressed natural gas, which is gas from waste. So it's biogas. And I know uh, Virginia Transport up in uh, the North Mead Cavan area, they've moved an awful lot of their fleet towards compressed natural gas. And down in Cork, one of the first buses using compressed natural gas from biofuel is operational. We congratulate those companies. That's to be welcomed, Bobby, isn't it? Really? Yeah, completely. I mean, once you have those examples, it's very inspiring then for other businesses to really follow suit. And, and you need leaders in, in any area, I suppose, of life to, to take that step. So that's a great example, I think. Of leadership. It is indeed. Let's move from transport for a moment to H2O water. We're surrounded by it. We need it to live and it needs to be clean and minded as well. Anya Purcell Milton, the Coastal Programs Officer with Antashka is on the line. Good afternoon, Anya. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for taking our call. Let's talk first about plastics in the sea. I was listening to a young girl from Galway, a researcher on another radio station today, talking about uh, the microorganisms in the ocean. I think it was plankton and something else ingesting these tiny particles of plastic. A real concern. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of the small organisms, the ones at the bottom of the food chain, they're consuming plastic and then it's going all the way up, kind of growing in size as it's going up the food chain. And then unfortunately, it is ending up in us as well. Studies have shown that there's plastic within human beings now as well. So it is shocking what's happening. And Bobby referred to that actually a little bit earlier on, that we don't know. Or Was it you, Bobby, or somebody? Who were we talking to? No, it may, might have been actually Claire who mentioned Claire Downey was with us earlier on as well, talking about this, uh, about what the, the, the dangers and that we won't know uh, long term how this is going to affect us. Look, what about water in general? Are you marine or are you fresh? Cover both areas. Uh, I would be kind of more marine ecosystem management. Yeah. Okay, so the seas and plastic in the seas. Is this just random dumping? Where does this come from? So there's, it's really hard to kind of define where it comes from because we all, it's one ocean that we're dealing with. So it's coming from a huge amount of sources. So what we think at Clean Coast here, we work with community organisations and volunteers. And what they do is they all get together and they do their bit. And I think as a instead of kind of pointing fingers, I think it's better as a citizen of this, of Earth, kind of to take ownership yourself and do your own bit. So that's what we promote at Clean Coast here. So you uh, are involved with people who clean beaches. Do they go to sea and gather up plastic what? Yeah, so we have over 900 groups all around the coast of Ireland. The whole coast is nearly covered at this point. And it's growing in size in recent years. We have volunteers like just everyday new ones coming on so which is great yeah and they would so they do all different um waterways so they'll do the canals they'll do uh riverways they'll we even have a lot of divers as well that will do underwater beach cleans as well so because with plastic a lot of it only like about one third actually ends up on our coast and it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves 
feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Probably two-thirds on the surface of our ocean, and then another third under the under the surface. So a lot of the stuff that we don't see as well. The message today to listeners, what can we do? You know, what can a listener do today to help? Is it back to this plastic thing? You know, plastic gets out there because of us human beings, be we uh, individuals in our homes, if we're out along the beaches on leisure, if it's business, you know, vessels on the high sea as well. What can you advise? What would you say to people to do to help? Well, we always think, like, lessen your plastic use. Like, we all understand that plastic does does have its place here. And we, you know, it's needed for a lot of medicines. But you can, in your everyday life, just lessen your own plastic use, whether that's, you know, reusing a reusable coffee cup or having a water bottle with you the whole time that you just reuse instead of buying a new one. Just do your own bit to kind of help help the environment. But also, you know, you can get involved with Clean Coast and get involved in a, a Clean Coast group in your area, there's a map on our website. So if you go to cleancoast.org, you'll see all the groups and, and get involved with us and be part of the movement forward. And you're getting out there and you're exercising and enjoying the exactly. fresh air. God, there are so many yeah. benefits to this. I can see them rushing to the website already <laughs> to see where they can get That's the details. True. But it is great to get involved. But seriously, yeah. this is a major issue and one that when you have... Uh, the microorganisms in the ocean and seas taking this in and then it's transferred on and even larger elements of plastic fish getting them into their bodies and then into us. It's very serious for us on this planet. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So that's the message we want to get across today. Deal with the plastic, join one of these groups to clear up our beaches or whatever. And of course, on the freshwater front as well, that's another story entirely. You know, we were known in year, for years in Ireland as being the clean green Ireland off the, uh, the coast of mainland Europe. But there's been issues there as well, uh, Anya. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, there's the Water Framework Directive that's trying to kind of improve our all our waterways around Ireland to get them up to good or excellent water quality. And unfortunately, that is difficult just with the amount of stresses that's being put on our freshwater sources. Um, so, and once again, it's hard to define what those exact, you know, sources or threats are. 
Um, so I think we just have to be mindful. So a lot of like our fresh water is an amazing resource and the fresh water that comes from our taps and goes into our toilets, we will have to be mindful of that. So anything that we put down our sink or that we put down our toilet inevitably could end up back in our drinking water or back, you know, in the ocean. So just being mindful of that. So not throwing anything really down the toilet that you shouldn't. We have a campaign called Think Before You Flush where we're just trying to raise awareness about people's flushing behavior so we just encourage people not to throw anything down uh, down the toilet only toilet paper and um, because this ends up blocking our waterways and causing overflows that actually end up on our beaches and we see this unfortunately day in and day out we see wet wipes on our beaches um, and on and other sanitary products so mm. um it's yeah, shocking so it's and blocking yeah. sewage systems as well yeah, and exactly. all yeah. that goes along with that those fat bergs you see them as well blo- blocking our places and people think that down the toilet or down the sink is, is fine and the other thing the cleaning products there, there's an area we need to talk about as well some of those cleaning products would just take the hair off your head yeah definitely and there's a, unfortunately a few ones that have a warning on the back that say harmful to marine life um, so really try to, uh, they are unfortunately in a lot of our supermarkets, so definitely try to avoid those ones and go for the eco-friendly ones. There's a few different types out there. Um, so just to try to go for those ones then instead. Anya, thank you for joining us. Do appreciate it. Great, thank you so much. Good afternoon. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Anya Parcel-Milton, Coastal Programmes Officer with Antashka. But back again to the plastic. Uh, here's an interesting comment, boys, from a listener that's uh, just come in to us. Jerry, we may all go back to the years uh, when we got our milk in glass bottles. Oh, don't I remember the glass bottles? Do you remember it, Stephen, with the robin coming in the morning and you go down in the file and be petted? I do indeed. I do indeed. The, I remember have, it well. He'd have the cream as well as lemonade and water. It tastes much nicer anyway within the glass Jerry and we could uh, recycle it on another point why not reduce the price of public transport and then the people would use it more and of course there are not public transport options everywhere that's that's absolutely right and that's been tried in a couple of cities as well where they do re- they removed uh, public transport price on certain days and you see it in Dublin as well where they make the Lewis free for kids during uh, holiday periods and it has a big impact I think the the area that we live in there are some solutions that will work and there's some solutions that won't because we have a large rural area. Mm. Uh, others on transport, we're getting quite a few on that. I'm confused about the grants available for switching to hybrid. Is there any? Uh, for hybrid, uh, you have a purchase grant, so it's in the, in the purchase price itself. Uh, but after that, it must be a plug-in to receive any of the, the other grants. Another listener says on WhatsApp to us, I love this, you like it, Bobby. Uh, again, tied in with the glass there for, for the liquids. Uh, they say, move back to bars of soap, dishcloths, towels, and even cardboard boxes for carrying groceries, uh, says a WhatsApp uh, listener today. Bobby, I'm sure that'd be music to everybody's ears in the campaign. Well, the, even just the notion, just to challenge it around going back to, sometimes when we think of these things, we think about that like like it's backward not at all these things are forward seeing the the wisdom that many of the generations have had before we need to to grasp again but I would say it's much more something we need to do into the future so going forward glass bottle is great and I'd, I'd, I'd come in on that as well just to say electric driving is not new it was tried in the past mm. the challenge they had was the batteries weren't good enough to actually to, to have long distances yes and we're coming back to 
electric driving again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and that's what we want to see. Um, another one here, and I'd say, is this a bit for you as well? Am I hearing, Stephen, yeah, it is. Am I hearing Stephen Wright, Stephen Wright uh, about hiring your car for a number of hours during the day when you're at work? You better mention that again. I knew people would pick up on this. When you mention you can put money into a pocket, everybody's ears prick up, don't they? Thank um, yeah, the great thing is this is an Irish entrepreneur. It's an Irish man, an, a young man in uh, the Wicklow area. It, the company is called Join the Fleet and it's online jointhefleet.com. And within his package, what he's managed to be able to do is include insurance, which is the big bugbear for everybody in Ireland. And when you're not using your car, you say when you want it, ava- when you want it used and it could be hired out from that. And some, some people are making, he, he expects up to €3,000 a month by hiring it out for a significant amount of time. God, that man's going to be busy. They'll be all onto that as well. Uh, here's another one. What about trying to go palm oil free? It seems to be in every blinking product. Can you take that one, Bobby? Yeah, no, it's a massive, massive problem. When we look at, I suppose, deforestation around the world, one of the big reasons that drivers of deforestation is palm oil. And, and it's something that there are many alternatives to. So a lot of products, again, that we have within our shelves and supermarkets contain palm oil. It's hugely destructive because, I suppose lots of areas are being deforested in order to plant uh, something which really kind of indigenous to that isn't indigenous to that area at, with the result that like the natural world is really suffering and then from a climate point of view again with deforestation trees are taking carbon out of the atmosphere and then that's being if you like reduced that capacity that we know of is being reduced so it's a double whammy palm oil is a disaster Okay, so the message is plastics again, bring them home with you, recycle them, don't dump them, help with the clean-up on the transport. Yes, the move is on to electric. It can save you money in many ways. Public transport, get on your bikes, the electric scooters as well. My God, we're doing our best for this planet on late lunch today. Another short break and afterwards, Deirdre Gavin from Conscious Cup is joining us. Stay with us. Thank you so much for all your comments. I'm not joking. I don't know how I'm going to get through them all before the end of the show, but I'll try and get to as many of them as possible. I'm old enough to remember, says a listener, when Peter Lyons' bread vans were electric after the horse and cart. Stephen, yes, you were talking about that. One of the companies in Dublin that used to have electric cars as well, used to have horse and cart as well. So the horse would be used to bring the electric cart up the last hill because it didn't have enough battery to do the full run. Somebody else saying, I think the thing that's holding people back from carpooling is if there's an accident or your passengers are having a big claim against you, you know, and that, that's something to, yes. Yeah, I think legislation and insurance is a, is a big topic and a big area around the whole sharing side of things. And that comes in not only in car sharing, but also in reuse. So when you look at reuse of products, so there, there may be a waste in one area, somebody can repurpose them to reuse that legislation at a European level hasn't been finalised yet and it's stopping and stalling a number of things that can move forward. Okay. Uh, other lengthy comments. Here's one of them. A lot of the advances we enjoy that were brought about by scientists are now shown to be harmful. So why should we listen to their remedies? Good point. We had a nice age. Countries exist that were underwater once. Dinosaurs and other extinct species existed before cars or aeroplanes polluted the atmosphere. Say there was a bit of pollution from the dinosaurs and what they did on the planet all right. Uh, have we forgotten about evolution or are we governed by media recures? Have a look at the mining of lithium and the disposal of batteries and compare with fuel powered cars or pedal bikes. I understand what you're saying. Scientists will continue to dictate and governments will never penalise them when proved wrong. Just look at our so-called agricultural advances and ask how the Amish are still around. 
do we as a largely Christian country think we are in control? I'll come back to that in a minute. Before that, let me welcome another guest to this environmental special on Late Lunch this afternoon. And I'm delighted she's with us today. She is Deirdre Gavin and she's from the Conscious Cup. Deirdre, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks for having me. Not at all. And you have your cup with you. Tell us about Conscious Cup. What's it all about? Yeah, so the Conscious Cup campaign was founded in 2016 um, by a group of people in Ireland in based in Dublin from different walks of life that, I suppose, realised that takeaway cups weren't recyclable um, and wanted to do something about it. So we got together and we decided how could we actually prevent more takeaway cups being circulated in Ireland. Um, so what we did initially was... Uh, contact cafes and ask them to um, incentivize people to bring in their reusable cups and use reusable cups for their takeaway teas or coffees uh, by giving them discounts, um, maybe a 10 cent or a 20 cent discount. Yes. Um, you know, to try and uh, create a behavioral response from people and um, for cafes to incentivize that. Did it work? Well, it's definitely growing. Um at the start, we had no cafes. We built a database. It's up over 1,500 cafes around Ireland at the moment. There's a lot of chains involved now. Um, a lot of well-known coffee shops around Drogheda. And, uh, um, so, yeah, there's definitely, it's definitely grown a lot of legs in the last couple of years, especially how people have actually realised that um, takeaway cups, paper cups, aren't actually recyclable. Is that it? And that's the point to bear in mind, that they're not. These ones, can they go into landfill or whatever and they'll be there for ad finitum and they're causing a, a, a big difficulty. What's the extent of the problem? How many cups would be used or in, in Ireland in a year? Mm. Well, it's estimated there's around 22,000 cups used every hour. That's just <laughs> in Ireland. Somebody did the calculations there. I know I'm good at countdown, but I just can't <laughs> get that figure all of a sudden. Louise will do that. 22,000 every hour. Every hour in of Ireland. every day, yes, yeah, and that's the twenty-four hour clock. Yes, yeah, Around that's a lot of cups. Estimated two hundred million a year okay. just in Ireland. Okay, that is ginormous. Absolutely colossal. So by doing what you have done practically here today and brought your own cup with you, the conscious cup, um, we can make a real difference. Of course, and it's about changing our behaviours. Look how you know people were up in arms about. Um, having to pay for a plastic bag so then every started, everybody started bringing yes. their own it's a behavioural thing uh, so if you buy one and carry it around it becomes second nature to it some people carry two have one in their car um, and it does take a bit of getting used to it it's more effort you know you have to clean it out maybe you, if a cafe could rinse it out for you or you bring it home and wash it out every evening it's definitely more effort but if you think about if you're somebody who goes out and buys teas and coffees every day all of that adds up and it's about preventing some uh, a single-use item being bought by just using one item. My God Almighty, that is a, a real positive, isn't it, to do this and go and do it. Let's see who has a, a cup of their own in studio today, Stephen. I don't have it with me, but I have a metal cup that I use in the car, absolutely. And one thing that's a lot of cafes are doing now, which is great, is when you give them the, the, the cup, they, they give you your lid back but they actually give the cup a rinse and then top it up themselves. Oh, yes. Nice. Bobby? I have a conscious cup, Jerry. but I have to say, though, I, like, I, I would be guilty the odd time of, of getting that takeaway yeah. cup. And I think it goes back to, to some of the points earlier on. 
you know, ideally what you'd like to have is making sure that people don't buy any, but even reducing it by half is still a step in the right direction. So all of the points I think that we're all making is that like all of the efforts are something that we can all do on a day-to-day basis. We're not looking for perfection itself, but mm. I do think it's really important and the Conscious Cup campaign, I think, is a great idea. It's, it's a wonderful project. And is this a specific cup that that you have come up with the design of? Or does, does Conscious Cup refer to, is it a generic term? No, not really. I mean, the the name is to do with the campaign and people, you know, relating yes. to the name to so the Stevens is Yes, so Stevens is a Conscious Cup as well. Yeah, a reusable cup. Re- that's what yeah. we're talking about. Anything that you reuse and bring with you and you can use on a number of occasions. Exactly. And something else worth mentioning as well is, um, you know, there's a lot, because a lot more people are aware of this, you know, chains have tried to get around this single, single-use single nature by introducing compostable cups. And some people think that's the, you know, that's the answer and that's the li- solution. But in fact, if we actually look at people using compostable cups are they actually going in a compost bin and if they're not they're actually more detrimental because they're made of um, natural material if they end up in landfill it actually produces more methane to burn it than an actual paper cup okay good point to make as well so that that is another important one to to bear in mind do you feel we will we see the day when we won't need to go in and ask well I suppose you can never eliminate that Bobby that you can't you'll go to a tea or a coffee shop and you won't have the cup with you or that I, I think the effort should certainly be made by all of us to go as far as we can with eliminating them I think that that's absolutely the case like single use plastics just in general I think I mean San Francisco are banning it like just in general no more single use plastics countries are going that direction so I think we have to move beyond what what's happening in Ireland look at other examples from around the world like even in Seattle in 2000 Stephen was mentioning earlier on about insurance I can remember in 2000 living in Seattle where shared mobility was the norm and and they overcame those insurance difficulties it's a question of choice do we have the willingness to reform some of the systems that we have in place and and I think we should what about the campaign to get rid of the plastic straws we touched on the little plastic knives and these things for picnicking and that as well yeah yeah definitely I mean cups is only the you know one element of a massive problem Um, we'll definitely look at other things like that in the future and there's other campaigns doing that and other you know important organisations working in that arena yeah, interesting, interesting. I love your cup, by the way. I think it's, uh, and that's yours. That's the one you take everywhere. That's with you. mine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take it everywhere. Yeah, I, 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 have my, I have to do this myself as well. I have them. I have a couple of them as well. It's just getting into the habit, isn't it? Isn't that what it's all about? Building a habit with it. And it, it's like any change. The habit is the key part. So, again, one of the key things take one thing, do it for 90 days. Yes. And that becomes your habit. Yes, and yeah, it becomes ingrained. And then. I think an awful lot of people, and Bob mentioned earlier on, is people can get a little bit overwhelmed by everything. So start with something. Mm. Make a choice. Mm. Stick with that choice for a period until it's no longer a choice. Uh, hi, Jerry. Hi, can you ask Jerry if he's going to mention the hazard of diesel fumes and the fact that the Green Party pushed for people to get diesel cars? Well, an awful lot of people were pushing. Uh, the, everyone was pushing everybody into diesel, you know, for economy and that. Yeah, I, 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 a bit on that if you want. Uh, like the diesel does have lower CO two, and everybody mm. was focusing on CO two. There should have been a wider discussion about emissions in general, not just on one emission yeah. product. Okay, another one for you. Are, are the incentives good enough to get people into electric cars? A listener wants to know. Uh, was that a meeting yesterday? Actually, and one of the things we everybody agrees on is the incentives are probably one of the best in Europe. 
I think the challenge we have of moving everybody to electric cars is a couple of different areas. People don't want to because they don't know. The residual values are, haven't been haven't been seen long term yet. Mm. There's not a huge amount of choice at the moment. There's 10 manufacturers offer electric models in their range, but there's 22, 21 manufacturers in the in the country, and also money. Yeah, like the electric cars are more expensive than than they a, are. a normal petrol. Diesel and that car. has to be looked at by our governments. Let's head to a break on late lunch. Coming up next, Father Sean McDonagh. You talk about a champion of the environment and uh, climate change. He is, and he's with us next. Late lunch, LMFM Radio Environmental Special this Tuesday afternoon. And thank you so much. The comments are flooding into us. Here at the moment, the number again, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, or you can get in touch with us in 1850-715-958. Father Sean McDonough is on the line. He's the president of Intashka, and he's an environmental champion. Father Sean, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking our call today. I suppose I'll come back to the big picture with you. We've been talking for the last uh, uh, nearly hour and a half at this stage about different aspects of the environment. What we can do as individuals to make a change that will make a difference. We look at Ireland, a little island. Uh, it's tiny in terms of this planet, Sean. Sure. Can, can, you know, people will say, can we honestly do anything that will make a difference in this little place? Well, of course we can, yeah. But we, we, one of the things we need to do as well is put in place structures that will help us in, in these areas, like climate change, for example. Obviously, taking the bus and that kind of public transport but if you don't have public transport in your area, it's foolish talking about this as a way of of uh, engaging with climate change, you know. So, uh, but we haven't we have are pretty poor here in Ireland in terms of uh, any environmental uh, organisations like Greenpeace or some of the biggest ones. How poor are we, Sean? Like, like, tell us this in terms of of the world. We like to think we're the green, clean Ireland, uh, the clean man of Europe. You say we're not. Oh, absolutely not. What not? I mean, you, you look at any any of the environmental organisations here. Uh, uh, there are a handful full of people in them. Even on Tashka itself, uh, which is a national organisation. But in contrast to to, uh, to uh, uh, groups in Britain, we would have nothing like their kind of membership. Our, our real commitment also to the environment, and uh, and and that's we see that also in, in terms of our government. You know, I mean, people have been talking about climate change since 1992, from the first United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. But what have we done over over the 30 years? Almost nothing. And what we tend to do in Ireland is we tend to say we'll, we'll do that by, um, by for, for example, uh, within 30 years. By 250, we're going to decarbonize our, our environment. But we're talking about it. But we're not saying, sorry, this year we're going to do something on, in, in making, for example, the built environment uh, uh, more climate friendly, for example. And we're going to do 10% of it and put some money aside to do that. And that's the kind of thing that needs to happen. Uh, and next, we also look at at our transport and how we make that also more carbon neutral, our, our agriculture and our industry. So we talk and talk and talk, but we do, we do very little. That's and, why, Sean, we're talking today and we're asking individuals to do their own thing. But you say, and you're making this clear, and it's an important angle to get an aspect, that government must lead and make things happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, because without it, you can't do anything serious in these areas, you know. Mm. Uh, particularly climate change is a, is, is a huge one. Another huge one, you know, is biodiversity. Uh, we, 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 we like to think of our islands as clean and beautiful. But, uh, for example, 
if you took up yesterday's uh, Times, there was a, 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 an article on what we're doing to our bugs. And basically, uh, garden shops across Britain are using peat from Irish bugs, uh, uh, selling that on very, very cheaply to gardeners there. So we, we really don't... We don't really don't take any great care of, of our environment, and uh, I've been back here in Ireland for almost 20 years. I was in Greenpeace. I'm now in in, in Antashka, but I would say in general there has been people will well if you, if you ask them and we're interested in the environment, they are. But you look, you look at what they do, uh, how how we build, how we organise things. We're very little interested in the environment. So you're calling on government today and people in positions of influence that can make things happen to get the finger out, excuse the language, and really get serious about this and action rather than words. Absolutely, yeah. And and people in in, in churches also. I mean, this is God's earth, you know. Yes. I mean, the the Pope brought out an extraordinary encyclical uh, uh, four years ago in 2015, Laudato Si, praise be to him, my Lord. Now, it was an extraordinary uh, encyclical. Uh, we, the Catholic Church had not been very good at looking after the environment. We had nothing on climate change before that. So, but it's very hard even to get it there. You know that this is this is actually is a moral issue right now, because the reality is what we're doing. We're going to make life very difficult for people who are going to be living on this planet uh, 60, 70 years from now, and that, that's what climate change is about. And if you get, for example, two meter rise in sea levels across the world in 60 or 70 years. That will have a huge impact here in Ireland, all, all your major cities, for example. And that's one, another reason why we don't, uh, we, we talk about the environment, we don't do much about it, because we'll, we put that off into the future. It's not like taxes or looking after schools or something like that. It's something we can talk about and say, but the reality is the future will be pretty awful for people, and there's no turning back. That's, that's the awful thing about climate change. But we've known this. You just look at it in the media. What public campaign is on climate change, for example, for the last five or six years? You know, very, very little. Mm. You, you listen to some of the... I, I, I remember they were making a point there a few months ago that you heard about climate change when they were talking about uh, ads for, for television when they talked about the minister being partly climate change. We should have a full minister for climate change at the moment because it is a crisis. It's a huge crisis for for young people today. And just look at that that, that girl in in in, in Finland, uh, uh, Greta Thunberg. You know, just by not going to school on a couple of Fridays, just look at uh, people around the, the world have taken uh, her, her... Yeah, the uh, 16-year-old girl, yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Bobby, do you want to say something to Father Sean? Bobby McCormick's here from Development Perspectives. Father Sean? Yeah. Yeah, no, just to, to agree largely with what Sean is saying, I, I, I do think that civil society has been very active in, in relation to trying to tackle climate change for, for a long time. I, I think that the political leadership is sadly lacking. And to go back to the point that Sean was making, we're the worst in Europe in terms of emissions. Yeah. And uh, there's no sign of that changing. So I think political leadership, where does that come from? I'm not so sure actually about politicians leading the way. I think that what needs to happen is that people will lead and politicians will follow. Um, I, I think that if you look at even Obama's support for gay marriage, that was the case that Obama was originally against it and then changed his mind. And wouldn't you know it was because of public opinion. So I, I wonder if we're waiting for political leadership, I think we'll, we'll be waiting. So I think we need to put an awful lot more pressure on our politicians to do the right thing. And I think... Look, like even, even after going up the election, what, what, what programmes have they 
uh, you know, in, in Europe or, or here in, in our, our, our local county councils. There's very little in, in, in my my estimation. I mean, I live here in Mead and, and from, from Tipperary. Uh, I, 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 just even educating people on it, uh, we haven't done any, any clearly in the past. But, but would you agree with Bobby that, you know, do you hear what Bobby's saying there, Father Sean, that really we're trying to, it's, it's from the bottom up, you know what I mean? That oh, yes, it is. But but you, you also need real commitment. I mean, for example, it, to, to make our, our, the built environment uh, climate friendly would probably cost anything between 40 and 50 billion uh, euro. Mm. And that has to come within the next 10 or 15 years. So when are we going to start doing it? When are we going to get a people to say, these are the plans, we will, we will do X percent uh, next year. Uh, people will be held responsible if we don't do it, you know? And so within a period of 20 years, we actually deal with this issue uh, in a way um, that will take care of it. And the same is true of everything else. And a very good example was, was in agriculture, basically, when, when um, we, we've, we've brought up our herd now by one-third in the last four or five years. And uh, we haven't thought about the consequences, you know, of methane. And methane and the emissions as well. Stephen McDonald is with us, Father. He just wants a word there from yeah. Times Word. Stephen? Yeah, just one of the topics that, again, everybody looks at government and how it's managed. The government performance metrics, we have to ask the question, are they correct? Mm. Because if we're asking, if the government is looking at the performance metrics of GDP, which is consumption, and they're looking at 3% per increase per annum, over a short period of time, you have actually double consumption. Mm. So the core question there, are we actually measuring and monitoring the right key performance indicators for our society? That is so true. And that's one of the points we started this chat with Bobby today about, you know, this constant father push for growth, limited resources on this planet and yet growth and, being pushed. Uh, and the limited planet, by the way. Yes. In, in the context of growth, we will, if we continue this trajectory, we, we will need two planets in about 20 years. Maybe that's why they're trying to get to Mars and uh, Elon Musk and his crew see the, the writing on the wall with them with all their trillions that they can do it. But it is shocking. The message today is this is real, Father Sean, and has to be addressed immediately. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And if it's not addressed, it, we leave a, a legacy for the next 2,000 years. That's, that's, and we're clear now about climate change. We know what, 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 what it is doing even at the moment. Just look at those storms in Mozambique in the last couple of weeks. You know, the cyclones there. I, I saw these things ha happening in, in my time in the Philippines. And that's a great tragedy, actually. It's very often the people who did least to cause uh, climate change are the ones who will su suffer most. So there, again, is a real moral issue that we have no right to be subjecting people of other, of other parts of the world, poorer parts of the world, to this uh, uh, change in climate that they're ex experiencing right now, you know. Father Sean, I have to leave it there with you for today. Thank you for taking part in this special late lunch on the environment. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Bye. Father Sean McDonough there, President of Antashka and Champion of the Environment. We're heading towards news and sport at three. Keep the comments coming to us. They're flying in as, again as I speak. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I'll get to as many of them, I promise you, as I can. After news and sport, it's Nikki Kyle, you know her well, joining us. And we'll uh, round off the show with the boys in studio, Stephen and Bobby. 
How would you like to go along to one of the big events at the Drogheda Arts Festival? It starts today, 10 plagues. This is absolutely brilliant. There are two showings at 5 and 9 o'clock next Sunday, the 5th of May. And I have a pair of tickets to give away for this. It's the Belfast Ensemble, uh, one of the most dynamic voices on the Irish-UK stage at the moment. And visual artists from Drogheda, Els Borgart and Declan Kelly are behind this. And it's simply outstanding. You'll love this if you'd uh, like to go along. How do you go along? You text your name and details now to 086 1800 658 and with the answer to the question, what's the Irish word for 10? 10 plagues is the name of the uh, brilliant performance that'll be on uh, this uh, Sunday at the Drihid Arts Centre and tickets for the festival. Check them out. Drihidartsfestival.ie. What's the Irish word for 10 for a pair of tickets to 10 plagues? 086 658. Some more of your comments. I won't get to them all. I'll come back to them tomorrow, I promise you. Hi, Jerry. I'm wondering when the government are going to give us a referendum about water. We need to protect our water and avoid privatisation as it's a precious commodity and needs to be protected. Loving the show. Margaret in Dundalk. Thanks a million, Margaret. Uh, Twitter. Stephanie Kerwin. Oh, what a great show. Late lunch this afternoon's environmental special. Such a wealth of information and knowledge being shared from a variety of groups and contributors. And there's two of them with me. They've stayed all afternoon with me and I'm delighted they're with me and they're going to stay till the end of the show. That's Stephen McDonald from Timesworth and Bobby McCormick of course, from development perspectives. There was another one there I wanted to read. Um, The government, Jerry, has to legislate to implement the Waste Reduction Bill by 2019 to raise awareness and demand reduction of waste on land and in the sea. It has to be passed immediately. More efforts as somebody else to be made when it comes to uh, people changing their cars to eco uh, models. And in turn, couples of two large cars in their driveways, sometimes going out to few places except the school run. I couldn't agree with you more. People have to prove their need for a car, especially in cities and towns where public transport is available. That is a good thought there as well. Up next on Late Lunch after the break to talk about cutting down on food waste, eating less and restoring soil and carbon in the soil. It's Nicky Kyle. Another message from you. Oh, Jerry, it's just great and encouraging to hear what you have to say. The show is brilliant this afternoon. We all have to stand up for our world. Do we really care about our children and our grandchildren? It looks like we don't, but we have to, says a listener to us by WhatsApp just there now. You know her well. She's a star of late lunch for many's a day, and you know I love her so much. She's our organic gardening guru. But I want to tell you about Nikki Kyle. She was the one who organised a lecture in Glasnevin in 1992, just after the first climate summit in Rio entitled The Road from Rio Where Do We Go From Here? She's co-founder of the Fingal Greens with Trevor Sargent and she is a consistent environmental campaigner and she's on the line with me today. Nikki, good afternoon. Hi Jerry. how are you? Thank you very much and may I first of all wish you a speedy recovery. <laughs> the ankle hasn't been too well lately but you're getting there. Yeah, well I broke it rather badly by rushing around too much but um, I'll soon be rushing around again. Hopefully it's mending slowly. You will indeed. I saw the new wheels. Vroom, vroom. (laughs) Good luck to you over the next few days. Oh yes, I've got a roller to on. Lewis Hamilton, (laughs) eat your heart out. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki, will you talk to us for a moment just first about cutting down on food waste because on the break here we were talking about it. It's an enormous issue, isn't it? It is a huge uh, issue, you know, and it's something we could all easily do something about. If we think about it, we all, and even I still do, uh, waste a bit of food occasionally. Um, And, you know, that food's often taken 
energy and pesticides and fertilizers to produce if it's not organic and also release a lot of carbon from the soil uh, if it's not organic. Uh, and the UN published a statistic fairly recently that over a third of all food produced globally is wasted every day, either in production, distribution or in people's homes. You know, food thrown away mostly then goes into landfill, producing methane, which is a far more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. So you, the message today, we're getting these messages across all the time. I'm trying to ask people and to help this planet of ours is don't be buying these three for two or foods that you might take a look at in a yeah. supermarket or things like that. It is a waste. It, it is. It's incredibly tempting. I mean, I'm wasted. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm tempted myself when I see those offers, you know, and I have to stop and think, really, am I going to use it? You know, and if I am, if, or if the hens are going to eat it or something's going to eat, then fine, you know. And if you use the freezer and you're going to use it down the road, that's good enough. Now, the other thing you wanted to say, look at the obesity problem we know about. We eat far too much, don't we? Well, we probably eat too much junk, actually. Um, We don't eat enough. Just we should think about more about nutrition when we're buying food, not buy all this tempting junk. I mean, I know all that stuff is incredibly tempting in supermarkets, you know, and then some people say we should give up meat. But actually, I was reading this morning that according to Dr. Frank Mittlerner, who's professor of air quality at UC Davis um, Department of Animal Science, he says going vegan is not going to save the planet because quitting meat only for a year just saves the same greenhouse gas emissions as a one-way flight from the U.S. to Germany. That's one person. You know, going vegan isn't going to do that. We could all certainly reduce our consumption of intensively farmed meat. Now, that's a different matter because that causes a lot of methane emissions. And by doing that, we could just not just save money to buy better quality organic meat, which we'll eat slightly less often, but it's beneficial to the environment, encourages biodiversity and restores soil. And it's also much better for animal welfare. So it's a win-win from every point of view. This restoring of soil you're uh, really hot on at the moment. Yeah. Why? Well, soil is one of the you know, biggest things. I mean, it, it, apart from the ocean, um, it uh, sequesters more carbon. Um, and actually, while we're talking about soil, peat uh, is a moot point, um, obviously, in this country. You know, if we're gardening, we shouldn't be using peat. Um, not using peat would make a huge difference to carbon emissions. Peatlands form only about 3% of the planet's land surface, but they're actually massive carbon sinks, storing twice as much carbon as all standing forests. Um, so we must stop digging them up now. In their natural wet state, peatlands can sequester huge amounts of carbon from the atmosphere um, through plants like sphagnum mosses, and they trap it underground as carbon. They're, you know, people talk about rainforests, but uh, a bogland's capacity for regulating climate is, uh, is actually far greater than that of forests. So no peat, please. Yep. Peat free in our gardens. Restore the soil. Leave the bogs alone. Now, no, no need to say this to you. Pesticides are not uh, good. No, absolutely not. Because uh, apart from the fact that they're produced using fossil fuels, um, you know, they destroy biodiversity. Um, and also don't use weed killers because they kill the soil microbes, which convert uh, soil carbon into humus, which, again, mitigates climate change. You know, everything we've been doing to soil for years has destroyed its capacity to actually, uh, you know, be a carbon sink. Uh, and the, the important thing to do is grow something in your garden, even if it's only what we call weeds, because all plants, whether they're weeds or not, take CO2 out of the air by photosynthesis. Uh, and store it as carbon in their stems and leaves. And leaving bare soil uh, or, or leaving it uncovered 
or even spreading slurry, emits nitrous oxide gas, which is 200 times more potent than CO2, which is a pretty scary thought. You know, just just doesn't matter if you're growing weeds, whether you're growing grass, whatever it is. Don't treat it with pesticides. You know, and nature loves weeds because they're all basically wildflowers, which are vitally important for bees and the other insects, which really need our help right now. And if your neighbours complain, just tell them you're doing your bit for nature <laughs> and the environment. I mean, you could even go as far as putting up a sign in your front garden saying so and actually spread the word. Uh, we were actually talking about this just a few weeks ago with old McGillicother, the beekeeper, and he was encouraging yeah. people and councils not to cut the uh, verges of the roads, oh. but let the dandelions and Absolutely. wildflowers bloom for, for bee life and insects. Yeah, not just for bee life and insects, but for seed-eating birds as well. I mean, birds that we all love, like goldfinches and sparrows, they love the seeds on dandelions. Mm. Another thing we can do is start making compost or or, or make a worm bin um, to feed your plants, because worms can turn all of our waste that we were talking about before, apart from sort of dairy and meat. All your veg peelings, kitchen waste, leftover bread and pasta newspapers, cardboard, um, all make a fantastic plant food. And worms do all the work for you uh, in a very small area. um, And it takes up less space than a normal compost bin. Uh, And a small one could even fit under your kitchen sink. And and it doesn't smell, so don't worry about that. And it's not sort of full of germs or anything. It's full of healthy microbes, which are fantastic for your soil and for your plants. So get a composter, start composting all your stuff. Don't throw that into the waste. You can put it to good use. And of course, as we always talk about with you, grow your own. Even if it's on a patio, in a balcony, in a, a sunroom, wherever, grow. Grow yeah, something. Ab- absolutely, because, you know, all the plants are taking in CO2. Um, it saves you a lot of money. The food is so much fresher uh, and much better for you. And, you know, everyone can actually do it. It's really very easy. I mean, even if you've already got... I mean, I'm growing in, in pots on my front step right now because that's the only place I can get to <laughs> with my ankle. Um, and it's amazing what you can cram into a small front step or a balcony. And that all makes a difference. Just a final question to you. You organised uh, after Rio in 1992 yeah. that lecture I mentioned, uh, the road from Rio. Where we go from here? Where have we gone, Nikki? Well, sadly, we've gone in the wrong direction and we've just got to reverse things now. Um, You know, uh, actually, one thing I wanted to talk about, but I know we're short of time, is there's another great idea now of turning urban wastelands into carbon capture gardens. Uh, Because ecologists have just recently discovered that brownfield sites, you know, which are lying around everywhere, could be a vital tool against climate change. Uh, They've got huge untapped potential to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Um, and actually, my son was in Austria recently at a European archaeology conference, and he was amazed to see food crops growing even in the small spaces between inner city housing developments. You know, it can be done if we've got the will to do it. It's, I mean, just one positive thought I'd, yes. I'd like to leave people with. I know you're in a rush. Um, it, it's from the Canadian um, environmentalist David Suzuki, and he said, in a world of more than 7 billion people, each of us is just a small drop in the bucket. But with enough drops, we can fill any bucket. We can do it together. Absolutely. Let's leave it with that thought. Brilliant, Nikki. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. I'm delighted to have her with us today on this uh, special occasion. What a passionate woman. You know, like she really lives this every day of our life. Well, it comes across. I mean, even just the the tone of her voice and and the detail and the knowledge that she Mm. has. Just one point, though, I think, just in relation to policy, Jerry, around food waste. We, We know that the world produces way too much food. In fact, the Institute of Mechanical Engineers think it's higher than the third that that Nikki mentioned. But 
But Harvest 2020 is an interesting food policy that we have in Ireland. And it's counterintuitive because essentially it's looking for more food. The world doesn't need more food. We need a better distribution of food. That's very different. So I think that that kind of policy needs to be challenged. And then from a practice point of view, when you look at the the values that's articulated through what we do, Irish Rail in the last few days have come under a lot of criticism for what they've done to hedgerows in the nesting season. So they've cut down in the nesting season a huge amount of hedgerow. And of course, the, what they're saying is in, in their defence is that it's from a health and safety point of view, but it could have been done at a different time of the year. So, so these are choices, again, whether it's practice or in policy that we're constantly confronted with. I want to tell you, and the boys can see it here, we have a beautiful uh, LMFM uh, mug here. Yes, it's, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier on on the show to Deirdre Gavin of Conscious Cup. We have two LMFM Conscious Cups to give away. The boys want them, they can't have them. Sorry, Stephen. Sorry, Bobby. They're going to somebody out there if you go in to the podcast of this show today and like and share the Late Lunch podcast on lmfm.ie we'll pick two people to send those mugs out so do that later on or remind people to do it and we'd be delighted to give those away to somebody Stephen to round us off nearly the final word to yourself today thanks so much for being part of this not a problem um, I think the the key thing is if you're changing your car you have choice if you want to move you have choice and I suppose just to kind of bring it back to thinking about what you can do today if you have a car keep it serviced make sure your tyre pressure is up to date you're using efficient tyres don't keep your windows open or have roof rails on board if you're travelling travel at 90 kilometres an hour instead of 120 I can save 20% of your fuel keep your acceleration nice and light don't be braking hard and accelerating hard that keeps down dust as well and again like, like cycling Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And we all have a choice. <laughs> we do all have a choice indeed. Well, Bobby, we've come to the end, almost to the end of an interesting couple of hours. And my, my hope today is that in all the talk we've had, that, you know, we've given something. If we give one thing to a, a few people who are listening today to put into action, to do We'll have done something, won't we? We'll have contributed. Yeah, I think so, Jerry. And I think that the words of Wangarai Matai, a famous Nobel laureate, like resonate at the moment, where she basically said and encouraged people to do the best they could. And and I think it, it is really that simple. Do the best we can. And and that absolutely together collectively will be enough. And, you know, this planet we live on, it is finite. It's not infinite resources. They are finite. But we have to think of not our time, but our children and children's children's time and the uh, decades and centuries ahead as well. They have to live here. And if we don't make a move now as the current people who inhabit this place, we only have a loan of the space we have for a short space of time, but we can make a difference. That's the message today. You and I, we can all make a difference and all lead to a better world uh, for everybody eventually. It's It's been great and I want to say a big thank you today to everybody who's joined us on the show, all our guests, especially uh, today to Stephen McDonald from Timesworth and Bobby McCormick who's been with us right through the show and helped me put this show together. We really do appreciate it, Bobby, and thank you indeed for all your input this afternoon. To my producer Louise Walsh, she was deeply involved in the environment. You haven't heard much for today, but she's a pain in her, um, you know what, running in and out with messages and pointing us to all the comments that came. We have loads more and I'll try to get back to some of them tomorrow, I promise you. But anyway, go do it. Let's do it. Everybody, do their little bit and make the world a better place for everybody today, tomorrow and into the future. That's it from Late Lunch Special on the Environment. See you back here tomorrow, half one. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cark Macross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Cark Macross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Cark Macross, or CarkMacrossCU.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.